Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We are trying to bless the Lord. We are trying to worship God. We're trying to get God's attention. And when you sing and you worship and you, and you, you put your heart into it, then, then, then God is looking. And if your heart's not into it, then you're wasting his time. And why is it okay for you to waste his time? You don't want nobody to waste your time. That first thing people say, don't be wasting my time. Don't be wasting my time. Don't be wasting my time. Well, why is it okay for you to waste God's time? Because I'm going to tell you something. When you come to church and you don't engage your heart in worship, you are wasting his time. You should have stayed home. Now, when last time you heard a pastor tell you, stay home? Uh-huh. Stay home. I'm trying to help you because I love you. I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. And as your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you're going to come here and you're not going to engage your heart in worship, stay home. Thank you, two people. I'm going to preach to y'all. I'm going to preach to y'all. They need to stay home. (laughs) Am I right about it? Because you're wasting God's time. You need to engage your heart. Worship with no heart is just music. That's why I close your eyes. Get your attention off of who's up here. Worship God. Get your attention off. Are they hitting all the right notes? I can't stand that when somebody, people worship the Lord. Yo, it's really, woo, woo, yes, woo. When they hitting the right notes, yes, yes, yes. Everybody hitting the right notes, woo, yes. Pray for me, don't judge me. Because you know I'm right. In the right notes, oh, yeah, but as soon as, uh, oh, well, oh, well, well, it's feeling really dry in here. It's really, really boring. Well, maybe it's really dry and really boring because you're here. You know what? Let me get back to the word. <laughs> Lord, pray for me. Woo. Oh, Jesus. Help a brother. Mm. Mm. Feeling the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Songs with no heart is just music. Preaching. Hey, sermons with no heart is powerless, pointless, and worthless. You know what I said, and I say it all the time. Y'all, so, y'all know what I'm saying? Help me. Put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. Write it down. Uh-huh. Put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. Let me tell you something. Nobody don't want to hear no boring sermon. Amen. I'm just saying what y'all think. <laughs> I can't stand to hear no boring sermon. You know what? The law said, 
Brothers and sisters. Nobody want to hear a boring sermon. If you don't believe it, what makes you think I'm going to believe it? You up here preaching, and it's like you don't even believe what you're doing. I'm going to get excited when you don't believe it. Put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. Put some heart into it. I was, uh, even this week, I, I, you know, I get mail, junk. I, I don't honestly read half the stuff I get. It's just junk. I don't know why people spend money on this stuff. But they, I got this, this one thing. I said, I got to read this. This was an article sent to me. And it was five ways, get this, God is my living witness. I'm not making this up. Five ways to get people to listen to your sermon. I'm like, well, obviously I'm doing something wrong. I need to read this. I got to read this, so I'm going to read it. (laughs) I said, I got to read this. Okay, so I got to tell y'all, number one, five ways that people get people listening to your sermon. Number one, this thing, this article, so I'm not going to tell you what it was, but article said, number one, mood matters. Smile and put people to ease. Okay. Number two, the head cannot take more than the seat can endure. Too long a sermon is not good. Come up with points and short stories that don't take much concentration or attention. I must be doing something wrong. I'm serious. Three services and they're all full like this. I am doing something wrong because my sermons do require concentration and they require you to have attention. So according to them, I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. Number three. See your sermon like a firing gun. Load, aim, fire. (laughs) Build each point around, load, aim, fire. Number four, include novelty in your sermon. Perhaps you'll pull out a show and tell item. (laughs) What is this, romper room? I mean, what, what? Maybe move to a different location from where you usually preach, like off the stage or into the aisles. Uh, Number five, make it relevant. Preaching is connecting the then and there to the here and now. Well, I have one thing to add to their list. How about when you're done with your sermon, ask the Holy Spirit to anoint it. That just might work. If the Holy Spirit anointed, that just might work. Listen, I don't care how good an orator you are or how well you prepare or you concentrate on your homily. I don't care. I don't care how smart you are or how not so smart you are. If the Holy Spirit anoints the words that are coming out of your mouth, it will bring forth fruit and accomplish that which it is sent out to do. Fact. Check. Because, and when you start doing stuff like this, then this is you. This is you. This ain't dependent on the Lord. New people, forgive me. I'm just a little hyper today. Uh, uh, This is you. That's you. 
That's not you depending on the Lord. When I'm done with my sermons, honestly, anybody that knows me personally will tell you that I honestly don't feel like I'm done with my sermon until I'm done and then I read it and it touches my heart. Then it's ready and until then it's not ready. Paul said the labor must first be a partaker of the fruit. Even in communion, Paul said, that which I give, un- that I received of the Lord, I give to you. I got it from God, now I'm giving it to you. But if I don't get it from God, then how can I give you something that I ain't got? Am I right about it? This is you. This is all you. The sermon has to touch the hearts of the people. Before it touches the hearts of the people, it's got to touch your heart. Jesus is saying to this woman, don't get caught up in irrelevant controversies. How you worship is more important than where. Look at verse 22. Brings up the question of who you worship. You worship what you don't know. Salvation is of the Jews. Now listen, in our country, especially in our country, we are so sensitive to everybody's opinion. Aren't we? We're so sensitive to everybody's religion. We don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to offend nobody. I'm just like, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. It's almost like there's no right and there's no wrong. Listen, people, we live in the real world. Somebody has to be wrong and somebody has got to be right. That's just the way it goes. Everybody can't be right. Am I right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody can be right. In our country, we live in, there's no wrong, there's no right. You're right because you've got rights and you've got your opinions. We're so afraid to call anybody wrong or so afraid to say anything's wrong. It reminds me of this story of these two guys who lived in a small village and they got into this terrible dispute that they couldn't resolve. And so they decided to talk to the town wise person. And the first man went to the sage's home and told his version of what happened. And when he finished the wise man, he said, you're absolutely right. Well, the next night, the second guy came and told the sage all that happened from his side of the story. And the wise man responded, you are absolutely right. Well, afterward, his wife chewed him out. He, she said, These men told you two different stories and you told both of them that they were absolutely right. That is impossible. They both can't be absolutely right. And the wise man turned to his wife and said, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Jesus is telling, lovingly might I add, telling this woman, you're wrong. Worship isn't about location or where. Worship is about the heart, period, point blank. Look at verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now listen, you taking notes, write this down. The words spirit and truth correspond to how and whom. Worshiping in spirit is the opposite of worshiping in external ways. It's the opposite of formalism and traditionalism. Worshiping in truth is the opposite of worship based on a wrong view of God. Together, the word spirit and in truth mean real worship comes from the spirit within and is based on true views of God. In other words, worship must have heart and worship must have head. 
Worship must have heart and worship must have head. And you can't have one without the other. True worship is engaging the emotion and engaging the thought. Truth without emotion is dead orthodoxy. Emotion without truth produces frenzy and flaky people who reject thought. True worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love sound doctrine deeply. Did you hear me? True worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and love sound doctrine deeply. It seems like in the church today, you got to have either or. You got to have the spirit or truth. You got to have sound doctrine in the church or all spirit. Charismatic or charismania or dead orthodoxy. I got saved. And I remember going to a church that was all spirit. It was all, we worship in spirit. Y'all hear me? I'm talking jumping over the pews. Y'all seen the movie, The Blues Brothers? People are coming down the aisle. That was the church we came from. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget. I told y'all this before because I can't forget it out of my head. I can't forget it. <laughs> Pastor said we're going to run around the church like they did the walls of Jericho. They're going to run around the church seven times. So the seven times around, y'all, y'all, I told you, I told you the story, didn't I? We're going to run around the church seven times. So the seven times around, we're going to shout. And the walls and the spirit is going to come down. The Spirit of God is going to come down. It's a church about 100 people. And, you know, we got the running and carrying on. We got 100, 100 people in this church. The church ain't bigger than this room. And uh, the whole church ain't bigger than this room. And, and uh, so we got the running around. And people are running. I'm running past the pastor. And I'm like, whoo, we have lap one. <laughs> yes, lap two. We were in the Spirit. You hear me? We in the Spirit. We get around lap six, lap seven. The pastor said, now, yes, yes, don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? I said, yeah, I feel tired. <laughs> Woo, I am beat down. Lord Jesus, I'm tired. Woo. Now I want you to shout. I'm like, I ain't got no energy. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was all spirit. Just all spirit. Every single week, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. And then, of course, 1145, you know, Sister Cook was going to get up and give a word. 1145, I kid you not, every Sunday, 1145, lock it. <laughs> Sister Cook, 11, 3, 2, 1, and you're on. Sister Cook, <laughs> praise the Lord. I want to tell you, saints, the Lord, thus saith the Lord to the children. Every single week, thus saith the Lord to the children. Next week, let Forty-five, four, three, two, one. Pray the Lord, say, thus said the Lord, all spirit, all spirit. And we just doing all kinds of stuff in the spirit. And you know a church, li- listen, listen, listen. You know a church is all spirit because when people are walking out the door, listen, close your mouth and open up your ears. If they all they're talking about is the spirit of God when they're walking out that door, trust me, that church is all about the spirit because that's odd and that's strange. 
Because Jesus himself said, the Holy Spirit has come to testify of me. It is the work and the job of the Holy Spirit to point you to Jesus and say, hey, you, that way, Jesus is the one that died for you. Jesus is the one who paid it all and all to him I owe. So it is Jesus whom you're supposed to worship, not the Holy Spirit. And when people are walking out talking about, ooh, did you feel the Spirit? I've been in church like that. Ooh, Lord, I was in the church like that. Ooh, the Spirit. Ooh, did you feel the Spirit? Ooh, ooh, child. Ooh, the Spirit. Spirit. Ooh, ooh, you couldn't, the preacher, you couldn't even preach the Spirit was going so high. The Spirit was high. <laughs> did you feel the Spirit? Oh, yes, people getting up, speaking up. Shandabalala, bobo, hashalala. Every week? Same time every week? Five, four, three, two, one, and you're on. Let's say the Lord to the cheering. Y'all know who am I doing I'm talking about? Y'all know I ain't lying. I'm not even making it up. I'm not even embellishing. I wish I was. This would be hilarious. I'm not making this up. This is true stuff. We need spirit and somebody help me, truth. And we need both. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. And we need both. We need both. And somebody once said, all word and you'll dry up. All spirit and you'll blow up. A balance of both and you'll grow up. Isn't that true? And that's, I'm waiting. That's fine with me. Amen. True worshipers will worship in the spirit, verse 23, 24, will worship in the spirit for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For worship to be authentic, vital and real, it must come from within and it must be based on both spirit and truth. Verse 25, she said, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. Now, remember, guys, I told you last week that Jesus is lovingly, progressively leading this woman. In verses 1 through 15, Jesus is the living water. In verses 16 through 19, Jesus is the prophet. In verse 20 through 24, Jesus is the Savior who makes true spiritual worship possible. In verse 25 and 26, Jesus is Messiah. This is the first revelation of Jesus being the Messiah in John. Now listen, in our last few moments, I'm going to give you, I want you to get your pen, get your pad. I'm going to give you seven, or actually it's actually six. I actually made a mistake on the screen. It's actually six. Hebrew words for praise. And each one gives us an insight into how to worship, how to praise God. Hebrew words for praise to teach us how to worship and how to praise God. The first one, Baruch. Baruch. B-A-R-A-K. It's used in Judges 5, 12, Psalm 72, 12 through 15. Baruch or Barak, some people pronounce it, speaks of silent praise from the heart. And it involves a sense of kneeling, to kneel, to bless, to to salute. It speaks of deep reverence. Number two, Hallel. You've heard that before, haven't you? Hallel. This is the most common word for praise 
You'll find it 99 times in the Old Testament, and in a third of the Psalms, we have the word hallelujah. That literally means to praise the Lord. Hallel means to shout, to celebrate, to rave, to boast, to sing loudly. This is a radical outward expression of worship. It's a letting go and a really worshiping the Lord. Number three, yada, yada. It means to throw out the hands. It's used in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. The idea is to throw out the hands, to touch the throne of God. It speaks of a thankful expression of worship. And then todah, todah, also involves the hands. Todah means to lift our hands in thanks for what God is going to do. The outward lifting of the hands speaks of the inward lifting of the heart. Lamentation 3, 41, let us lift our hearts with our hands. Yara speaks of giving. Torah anticipates receiving, like daddy, pick me up. And zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, zamar, speaks of instrumental praise. It means to touch the strings, to celebrate in worship. So when you're playing your instrument, you're supposed to be singing the songs. Are you with me? When you're playing the drums or you're playing the keyboard, as best as you can, you should be letting the words touch your heart as well and, and, and singing the songs and crying out to God as well. That's what God wants. Zamar speaks of into, into instrumental praise, to touch the strings, to celebrate in song. And then Shabbat, number seven. I think it's six, actually. To triumph, to glory, to shout with God. God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes people are a little more demonstrative than others. I got that. Sometimes people, you know, are very expressive. And sometimes people are not so expressive. And that's okay. It's okay. You, you don't have to, you know, you know, be Sister Cook. You don't have to do that. But what's important is that you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that is from the heart. And so not everybody is like, yes, yes, oh, yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah, yes, yeah. Not everybody's like that. And some people are just, you know, a little more reserved, and that's okay. God doesn't care about how you worship so much as how you worship. Did you get that? Your heart. So God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Four, verse 23, the Father is looking for those kind of people. The Father seeks such to worship him. This is what he's looking for. Worshippers. God's not looking for smart people. Worshippers. God's not looking for financially wealthy people. Worshippers. God's not looking for theologians. Worshippers. 
God's not looking for people who understand soteriology and eschatology and any other ology. He's looking for worshipers. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Because at the end of the day, when you walk off this earth and walk into the presence of God, you will begin an eternity of worship around the throne. They're singing holy, holy. And guess what? Around the throne, they're singing one song. So some of y'all like, oh, man, they're singing. They sing the same songs here all the time. They'll never change up the song. They always say, well, listen, when you get there, you're going to hate it. Cause, okay, because they only got one song. They, got, they don't have a top ten. They got number one. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.